and I just became increasingly more aware of how important sustainable fashion was and how important it was to design and produce things differently that was less harmful to the planet. Hey, welcome to Green Canvas. My name is Toby Carpenter and this podcast is all about creative individuals helping to tackle the climate and environmental crisis through their work. We'll be talking to a wide range of creative practitioners, from designers working with sustainable materials to artists and photographers exploring global warming. We'll learn more about their work, how they use their skill sets for positive environmental change, and also what tips they have for you to utilize your own creativity and help the world build the sustainable future our planet needs. So stay tuned and I hope you enjoy and find Green Canvas useful. Our guest today is Lydia Bolton, a sustainably focused fashion designer that turns unwanted materials into custom-made women's wear clothing. A zero-waste focus is placed at the core of her craft, from the sourcing of the materials she uses to the packaging of her garments. She also writes a ton of great educational blog posts on sustainable fashion and runs up skinning workshops teaching students how to mend and make their own clothes. Since founding her namesake brand in 2019, Lydia has been featured in Vogue as a girl on a mission in Neuronews as a designer fighting waste, and has collaborated with brands like Reebok and Nietzsche on sustainably focused projects. If you'd like to see some of Lydia Bolton's clothing and learn more about her ethos, we have a few links in the show description that you might like to check out before listening to our interview. And so without further ado, here's our conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. So I wanted to start with, when did you begin making clothes? So I first started making clothes when I was, I I think, about 13. I always wanted to be a fashion designer. And my mum said to me, if you want to be a fashion designer, you need to learn how to make the clothes as well as just drawing them. Anyway, she ended up teaching me how to sew. And so I started to learn uh, when I was about 13 with her. And then from about 15, started doing proper sewing lessons after school. Okay. And so what made you pursue fashion on a, on a serious basis? It, it was just the only thing I always really, really wanted to do. I couldn't imagine doing something more academic. I always wanted to do something creative. Art had always been like my favourite subject at school and doing creative things in my free time had always been um, my passion. So I, yeah, I just knew I would always do creative degree and fashion ended up being the main thing I was interested in. And growing up, were there any fashion designers or styles of clothing that really influenced the way you see see clothes? Um, when I was a teenager, I was really into Alexander McQueen. I, like, I was so inspired by all his really over-the-top um, pieces. And also, he was very inspired by nature. He has a dress with um, razor shells. And so I was really interested in how he worked with nature, but just made it so over-the-top. And I found that, yeah, just so amazing for like a... 13 year old who has like no other fashion inspirations in their life it was amazing so it was just kind of Alexander McQueen that was the main inspiration yeah yeah completely the main inspiration for me when I was um, when I was a teacher I did my my GCSE project about him and yeah I was like really um really into everything he did and and so you you studied fashion at, at Kingston University before becoming a design assistant at House of Holland and I wanted to know what did you learn during this course at Kingston and also during your time at House of Holland and how have they informed the way you make clothes now? Yeah, so the degree at Kingston um, is quite industry focused. So uh, you do quite a lot of projects with brands, which I didn't necessarily enjoy doing at the time. 
I felt like they probably wouldn't be brands I wanted to work at, which meant I didn't put as much effort in as I probably should have done. So yeah, so the second year was a bit a bit tricky for me. Um, until the third year and then in the third year you, it's a self-directed project and you just create your own graduate collection and that was when I suddenly really came into my own and really really enjoyed it and kind of fell back in love with doing fashion and it also made me think well maybe I do want to have my own brand one day because I definitely prefer creating my own things and working for myself than um, yeah working for a brand and a brief. Um, and then I worked uh, after interning for about nine months, I ended up getting a paid role as a design assistant at House of Holland, which I really enjoyed working there. It was quite a small team. So you're really involved with the whole process, design, research, print design, um, liaising with the factories, uh, sourcing trims, working on the toiles and things like that. So it was a really amazing experience being involved in the entire design process. And then also kind of chatting to the the people that work in the uh, sales and PR and production and everything like that. So it was it was a really um, nice place to work for a couple of years. And after House of Holland, I, I read that, well, I know that you you did a, a course in sustainable fashion. What sparked your desire to do this this course? Uh, so sustainable fashion had always been really important in my personal life. My mum's like a huge eco-warrior and had really brought us up being very aware of waste and very aware um, of materials and kind of where they go and the kind of the climate crisis that we're in. So I, in my personal life, I always shopped secondhand. Um, I preferred vintage shops and didn't really use high street shops. I had just never made the connection um, with my personal interest in sustainability to my professional career. And I just became increasingly more aware of how important sustainable fashion was and how important it was to design and produce things differently that was less harmful to the planet. So I decided I decided to leave my job at House of Holland. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew it would be something in sustainable fashion. And I just wanted to figure it out um, without just kind of waiting for months and months being comfortable in a job. So then I did this online course and I learned all about the different areas of sustainable fashion and all the different issues. And the main issue I kept on being drawn to was the vast amount of garment and textile waste. And those facts just kept on resonating with me and kind of sparked ideas with me for how what I, what I could do to um, provide a small solution to this waste and produce clothing more sustainably. What were some of the most impactful facts you learned when you studied this course and, and in relation to the amount of waste in the textile industry? Are there any facts that come first to mind? Yeah, so the, the main facts that really stuck with me were, firstly, each year in the UK, 200,000 tonnes of garment and textile waste ends up in landfill, which is just so, so much. So that fact really shocked me. And another fact which really stuck with me was that a t-shirt requires, I think, 2,700 litres of water to be produced, which is about the same as three years clean drinking water. And then if you kind of merge those facts together and think about how many kind of plain old t-shirts we have and how you'll buy a t-shirt maybe not really wear it properly and then throw it away and then you can suddenly see quite clearly the amount of resources from the earth that are then instantly wasted by all this clothing ending up in landfill. And did you start right after this course is this is this when you started your fashion brand? 
Yeah, so during the course you create a kind of a, a little manifesto about like the area that you're specifically interested in and just doing this small manifesto was how I started my brand. I identified that I wanted to reuse secondhand and unwanted materials and then make them into new pieces of clothing and it just went it just went from there. And what were the first garments you made for your brand? Uh, so the first garments I made, they were still fairly inspired from my graduate collection style of being over-the-top tracksuits. And I made this outfit for Jay Gray, who's a singer, and she wore it at her performance at Glastonbury. So that was the first piece I made, which was, um, it was quite cool that I had a really fun purpose for what I was making it for. That's cool that the first piece you made is to be performed at Glastonbury. Yeah. How did that kind of come about? Uh, well, so she messaged me on Instagram saying that she would really, she really wanted to borrow a piece of my graduate collection uh, for her performance. And I said, or, or did I want to make something for her? And I said, I'd really like to make her something. And I was just starting out only working with secondhand materials. Was she, was she happy with this? And she was really keen on the idea and really liked the fact that it would be made sustainably as well. Uh, yeah, so, and then that's what, how I, how I started. And I think because I had a focus point for why I was making this first piece. Um, it really let me put my kind of theory of reusing secondhand materials into practice and then led me to create another kind of a smaller collection, which I shot over the summer. And and so what's your creative process like? What's the usual process from start to finish of one of your pieces? The design process varies uh, depending on what sort of materials I'm working with. But the, the main gist of the process is I kind of... I don't get too tight with what colour I want to work with because when you're working with secondhand materials, you can't be too precious because it kind of is just what turns up as opposed to when you work with sourcing fabrics, it's much easier to source specific fabrics that you're looking for. I'm quite flexible in what I'm going for. So then I will source some things, uh, some fabrics or unwanted clothing that kind of fits within the style. I mainly am looking at texture. So at the moment, I'm working with more cottons. During the winter, I was sourcing more knitwear pieces. So I work with the, the material and the texture. And then once I've sourced a group, we'll then put them into colour groupings that I think go well together. Then I'll do different techniques for the sweater vests that I made over the winter. I did different patchworking techniques of like cutting them up and placing them together and using kind of smaller pieces and larger pieces to make sure that I used as much as possible from the jumpers that I was remaking. And then for other pieces, they're not as patched work. It's just um, laid out, cut out, and then, yeah, remade. And has this creative process evolved since you've started doing this? Or is this the way you've been working since you've started creating clothes out of secondhand and unwanted uh, materials? Um, the process has evolved slightly. When I first started, I did quite a lot of manipulation of pre-existing clothes. So I would get a t-shirt and um, pin darts and fold it up so it kind of looked more layered and then stitch them in. However, with things like that, it was just slightly more restrictive in terms of what you could make. Um, and I think manipulation of pre-existing garments is a whole... Um, design process in itself and then I kind of was less interested in that route and much more interested in the kind of the patchworking um side of using clothing yeah so mainly I focus on patchworking and paneling of different materials and how do you source the materials you use so I source them all from different places uh firstly like when people know you want their old belongings they're very happy to give them to you because it 
solution for them. So I get a lot of things given to me. I used to mainly source my clothes from one of the warehouses of a charity shop group in London and I'd take the clothing which they couldn't sell. However, during the last year I learned that only 10 to 30% of clothing from charity shops is sold and the rest is generally exported. So then now I do buy clothing from charity shops because if it's only got a 30, maximum 30% chance of being sold, I might as well buy it. <laughs> And so what happens when these clothes get exported? Do they always end up being used or do they end up in landfills? So I'm not an expert on this, so I don't want to kind of say too many facts that aren't 100% correct. But I think if you look at um, the OR Foundation, they do a lot of um, a lot of work in this. And I think there are a lot of countries where there's waste management crises. This is, um, this is like not my area, so I don't want to like say too many um incorrect facts but yeah mainly the or foundation is where i um learn about it okay cool and and back to your creative process do you always have a, a clear picture of what a, a garment will look like uh no i leave the creative process quite open the, when you use secondhand materials i think you can't be too precious in the same way that you can when you're ordering specific fabrics fabrics might have stains or rips in or there might not be enough to complete the whole piece in what you have so you, you do have to be flexible let your vision adapt and just um see how it goes with what you've got available and do you ever make something and then decide okay i don't actually like what i've made i'm not going to sell it does that ever happen and then you kind of remake it from from there I think I, I've made things which I think I don't love them but but now I'm quite keen on involving my customers in the journey of me producing which really means they're so much more engaged and they're way more likely to buy the things that I produce because they've kind of said which colours they like along the process so in the, that's something I've really started doing a lot in the last year and it's definitely positively impacted my sales and the customer loyalty and the customer satisfaction in the clothing which is really good and how do you go about involving them then in that process At, on my instagram i do different polls for people to vote on what sort of colors they like do they prefer shirts or dresses or things like that so so my engaged audience can um have their say of what they'd like to wear which i think is also really important because obviously sustainable clothing is great but if no one buys it it's still unsustainable and and what are the biggest challenges or hurdles that exist to you making sustainably focused clothes are there any big challenges that that come with it yes the the main challenge is that basically everything is a one-off piece whereas with a normal brand fast fashion brands it's thousands of units of the same piece so for me it's all of the work which only ever translate and translates into one final piece so then obviously it's quite time consuming and the yeah the end result is hard to be duplicated over multiple sales so it's a far more labor intensive process also working with secondhand materials the materials might have holes in they might have stains on them so I'm really keen to still use these materials and not just disregard them so now I kind of stitch little flowers or hearts to hide them and kind of communicating this with the customers so that they know that the materials I'm using aren't perfect they're not new they are worn and yeah um kind of yeah getting the customer aware of what's going on and over time as you've learned more about sustainability and creating clothes as eco-consciously as as you can how have you adapted or evolved your creative process to make it more efficient or eco-friendly 
I always am very conscious about my own my own waist and my own offcuts, and I really enjoy finding new creative things that I can make to use these. So I do a, like a range of different like tiny pieces of fabric patchwork things which are extremely labour intensive stitching them all together but it's a good way for me to further reduce my own waste and to try and I'm not I wouldn't say I'm zero waste but I'm extremely low waste and also the creative challenge of using up these tiny scraps is quite fun um also I'm much more selective with what I take I kind of have a good understanding about what I think people or my customers would like to buy and what they're looking for so being selective rather than at the start I kind of just took everything and then would try and remake it whereas actually like I said before there's if you're remaking something but no one wants it there's still not that much use in that and instead those things could be turned into cleaning rags or into other things rather than they don't need to have the um, time put into them. And you're about to release a new spring drop called Gingham. And yeah, I'm interested to hear a bit more about that because obviously I can't, I couldn't see any of the clothes because I was on your website and I tried to enter the shop and it was like password protected. (laughs) So I was interested to hear a bit more about your collection. Yeah, so actually this is like the first time I've done put the password protection on the website and it just makes it so much easier for like uploading the products and things like that because I don't really do it all at once I do it over like a couple of days and it just means it can be there and you can check it's all right um without constantly having to like need it to be hidden so people can't see and all of that so but then I think also that the landing page for the password protection is like very um intense it's just like that I, I don't know how to make it more slightly more designed but what website platform do you use is it squarespace um, or wix yeah squarespace yeah i don't know much about squarespace because i do all of my website designs through wix so i can't oh, help okay. you but wix, wix is similar similar when it comes to the password protected pages they there's not really any customization you can do to them to make <laughs> them i know it looks slightly aggressive but... <laughs> yeah um, um yeah, but so, yeah, your the spring drop. <laughs> uh, my little spring drop is uh, all remade from these gingham seersucker vintage tablecloths, which I start. I think I found one. I think it was in like November or December. I was just scrolling on Facebook Marketplace, like as I do now. The charity shops are closed. Looking for like fun secondhand things, and then one of these tablecloths popped up, and I was just like fell in love because they're just so colourful and fun um yeah and and actually the appeal to me also was because I normally work with say like old t-shirts which are normally quite small the appeal of working with like a tablecloth I was like wow this is so big I can cut like at least one whole shirt out and not need need to um stitch like 10 pieces together to make it normal size so from a practical point of view working with a tablecloth was like exciting because it'd be so much more straightforward than my normal approach um yeah so then I just um like kept an eye out for them and like slowly was like collecting them over the winter and and then I wanted to so I wanted to make something obviously we've all been in lockdown for who knows how long so I wanted to make something that was like comfortable and kind of like a slightly outdoor elevated it's not your pajamas obviously it's like more elevated than that but it kind of reminds you of them so it's like a an, a shirt and then a wrap skirt wrap skirts obviously being like super comfy because you can adjust the fit of them 
so yeah, so I wanted to make something that was like really comfortable and wearable, but obviously but like because of the fabrics, it's like really fun and spring-like. And but then also well like well you can wear it all year round, it's not just for spring, but the colours being like yellows, greens, blues, pinks are quite spring-like. And so aside from this this drop, are you working on any other new collections too at the moment? Yeah, so I'm working on a collaboration at the moment which is really exciting um with a brand called again and again and they are a print studio and so they're amazing because like they can do like the whole other side which I don't do which is printing and dyeing um in their studio so they're going to print and dye onto unwanted items of clothing and then I'll remake them so it's a really nice collaboration between us of what we both have obviously have like different skill sets it'll be a really nice merging of the two of them and then I'm doing some I'm doing a workshop with Fashion Open Studios as part of Fashion Revolution so yeah there's some exciting things I've got coming up and so in terms of these collaborations that you do so yeah you just mentioned again and again and there was also a collaboration that you did with with Nietzsche do these collaborations always work in a similar way or does it is it really dependent on the brand and the brief or is it kind of in the collaborations that you've done up until now have there been kind of like a similar way of working for each of them um no they're all quite different um depending on who it is with so for example with Nietzsche they reached out to me and they wanted to do something with some of their um dead stock clothing so yeah so they and they um knew that I worked with unwanted clothing and remade it so yeah so they reached out to me and the brief was really really free and open I could just do whatever I wanted and so with that collaboration I was really interested in merging kind of like the different textiles and presenting them in a different way so they're quite um technical fabrics like reflective fabrics and like quite sporty fabrics and so I kind of ruched them and made them into frills and draped them and like completely turned on the head how these technical sporty reflective fabrics would usually be used yeah so so that was that was a completely open brief which was amazing and it was a really good opportunity and then whereas this collaboration that I'm doing with again and again is the opposite it's more of like we both have our roles that we're putting into it as opposed to someone kind of giving me textiles and I do whatever I want with it this one is much more they do all the print and are in charge of that area which is obviously their expertise and then I do my expertise which is the sewing and the making and does your creative process differ much when you're working on these collaborations in comparison to when you're working on your own stuff I, it has a bit more structure to it and it's um yeah because obviously you're bearing in mind what the other what the other people want to do and you're you're including their views and inputs and like ideas as well so I think um yeah it has a, a few more restrict I, not restrictions but it just has a few more things to consider whereas when I do it for myself obviously I just do my own thing but then obviously I listen to like what the like what the customers like and look at what sorts of clothes people are wearing like I don't really think people are wearing like super fitted dresses at the moment so although I say I do what I want I wouldn't I wouldn't make something which I don't think people are wanting to wear uh-huh. And does the, this is just a question that kind of popped into my mind now, does the, the type of people that are interested in buying sustainably focused clothing and eco-conscious clothing, do their tastes usually differ much to people that are not? And even within the kind of 
I don't know, I guess the target audience of your your brand and the people that buy your clothes, do they have a particularly kind of different style to people that aren't interested in sustainably focused fashion at all? I don't th- no I I don't think so. I think I think actually it's a really really low percentage of people which will buy something just because it is sustainable. I think like I mean it must be like less than 10%. Most people also need to like like if you don't like yellow, you're never going to buy a yellow shirt if it's sustainable just because you buy sustainable clothing. Um so it really needs to be something that um, people do, yeah, that they do really want to wear. And I think the sustainability side varies for people of how, of the level of importance for that. Some people will think like, oh, and it's sustainable. It's amazing. I love this shirt and it is sustainable. For other people, it might be like, they love the shirt and they don't really, they just love it for the look of it. And they're less interested in the sustainability side. And then for other people, they might be all about sustainable clothing, but they still might not like that color. So they might, that might not be for them anyway. Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense for sure. And I've also had a couple of questions about your, I read about your upskilling workshops and these DIY kits that you released at the beginning of lockdown. And they sounded really cool. And I know well, from what I maybe some of the articles that I read about your work and some of the features that you did, I heard that they were really popular. So I'm interested to hear more about these and yeah. what inspired them. And also for for listeners who don't have these DIY kits or they haven't done these upskilling workshops, how would you kind of define them to listeners so they kind of have a clear picture of what these are? Yeah, so I started the DIY kits almost exactly a year ago um, when lockdown started and it was in response to my friends kind of chatting to them, like texting them and they were all saying like how bored they were, they were doing like paint by numbers and like these are people that I'd I had I like never would have guessed they'd do something like paint by numbers. I just literally zero interest in like these more creative things. But just being so bored and so like not knowing what to do. And from my point of view, I know that making things with your hands is a really good way to like detach from what is going on around you. And it's a really nice, um, a really nice thing to do, which just isn't on a computer, it's not on your phone. So I thought actually making kits where people can do kind of like easy sewing projects or just make something at home which is really straightforward and accessible would be something that people would really enjoy doing and would be something that yeah would like give them a little break and a short escape from being in lockdown so I made all the kits were they all they were all different I started out I started by releasing one a week and then for about a month and then kind of slowed down and did less because it was becoming um quite a lot for like me to try and create and film and this was like I didn't have any of the equipment so I didn't even have a tripod so it was like my camera balanced on the edge of a table me sat on my floor in my bedroom like trying to sew things and film it and uh, yeah, so so the first one that I did was called Sass Up Your Socks. And that was, um you got, so everything that you need to make the kit comes in the kit. So in that kit, you got needle, thread, and some like beads and crystals, which you can then stitch around your socks. Because that was a bit of a play on the fact that we're not wearing shoes anymore. We only need our socks. So why not mm-hmm. make a sock? That's fun? true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then... um. I I did like a variety of different other ones. One of them I did was someone had actually given me this whole roll of like yellow 
rib so like you see like stretchy yellow knit fabric and it was like canary yellow like super bright yellow and I'd I didn't know what I was going to do with it but I always like as I said keep everything and then I thought actually this fabric doesn't really fray and it's really easy to sew and it's super super stretchy so this would make a really good kit because someone could sew it together easily by hand and it doesn't need to like it's like a like a long sleeve top you can just pull it on and you don't need to worry too much about the fit so then I made these long sleeve yellow tops which were really really popular they like I mean I didn't have loads but they all sold out over the weekend of releasing them and then yeah people loved it and then what I did was the week after I made a top from the scraps so that long sleeve top kit it came with the front and the back and the two sleeves cut out, the needle, the thread and instructions of how to make it alongside me making a blog, the video of me making it for people to follow. So then from where I'd cut out these long sleeve tops, I then had all these like scrap off cuts and I then the week after turned these off cuts into a kit, which was a patchwork vest, which and then the, the patchwork vest was then like even more popular than the long sleeve top and everyone wanted these like and the kit was um all these scraps and off cuts which and then it came with a pattern and they could patchwork it themselves and randomly stitch it all together to make this like um yeah pretty unique looking patchwork hand-stitched vest and and with these projects and so the blogs that you do these upskilling workshops diy kits do you see yourself and your brand not just as a clothing brand, but actually more than that, because of the kind of the mission that you're in a way committing your life towards and your work towards. Yeah, yeah, I definitely do see do see myself and my brand as more than a clothing brand. It's much more about like raising awareness for the importance of reusing materials that we have in clothing and different ways that we can do this. Obviously, a way you can do it is by buying clothing from me, which is remade from other clothing. Or you can follow, look at my blogs and learn how to remake your own clothes into new things or get a kit and learn how to make your own thing from, yeah, from what you've already got. And yeah, help inspire people and like encourage people to do different things to remake textiles and make it feel like really accessible. I think um, people do get put off by things because they think, oh yeah, obviously you can do that because like you've done a design degree and you know how to sew or they don't have the the sort of creative thinking brain of like the remaking side. So yeah, making people feel like they can do it, it's really easy and give them like accessible ways that they can get involved and do it themselves. And so have you found a lot of your kind of followers and the people that are in touch with your brand, a lot of your followers have kind of started making their own clothes as a result of watching your content and buying your your clothes too yeah yeah I get um at least one if not two messages every week from people being like hey I've started sewing oh you've inspired me blah 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 asking questions so yeah it's really nice I think um yeah I think people definitely do feel like they can give it a go from watching me do it and that's amazing and I think if I can yeah help people see it as something that is doable is yeah really important to me and so it kind of ties into kind of what we were we were saying but what do you think are the best ways we can help people become more conscious consumers what do you think are the best ways of helping to create behavioral change needed for more eco-conscious fashion consumption 
so I think well I think the first thing which is like the first thing with everything is like education and awareness like if you have no idea why something is necessary and important to do you, you almost definitely won't do it unless you've been like brought up like taught to do it so yeah I think um raising awareness like I share quite a lot of um facts and information like but in like a non-judgy way in like a in like purely a way to like help people learn about things I think judging people is the worst possible approach so I do share quite a lot of um facts about the amount of waste we have but also facts about how we can reuse materials um yeah so sharing education and why it's important for me is like definitely the first step and then the second step it has to be providing alternatives that they do want the most unsustainable thing is making things that people don't want to buy so yeah so actually making sure you're for me as a designer making sure that the products are actually things that they want that the customers do want so but yeah first thing definitely education and awareness and how do you know what customers will want is it just through research or is there kind of like a gut feeling to it at all? Or is it via talking to, to people? Yeah, it's, it's all through those things. So it's kind of, you can kind of see what sorts of clothes people are wearing. I chat to my friends, obviously, like I'm, I'm trying to make clothes that like my friends would want to buy. So I talk to my friends, like, do they, do they prefer things like this? Do they prefer that? Like if, what would be their reservations of wearing that sort of item of clothing? So that's sort of research and then yeah looking at what people are wearing and 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 also in terms of well with lockdown it's like an obvious one like people want comfort and they don't really yeah you you want comfort and something that you feel nice and good in rather than something that you're you're like you're not really buying clothes to wear at parties and things like that and do you think now we're kind of like coming out of lockdown do you think that tastes are going to change much as a result of this whole COVID situation and us being in lockdown for a year? Do you reckon it's going to, we're going to see much changes to like fashion trends? Yeah, I think it will be like, people will be really going for it. I think people will be wearing like their best outfits on a walk in the park. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, um, think, yeah, I think everyone will be like excited. Yeah, well, mainly actually, hopefully people will be excited to wear all the clothes they haven't worn for the last year and not think that they need to buy a new outfit, but actually think, I've got this amazing thing, this amazing top, which I bought two years ago, but I've actually barely worn because I've been at home for a whole year. So yeah, so I think that would be the main thing would be amazing if people like, are like, wow, I can rewear my own wardrobe. And um, do you, are there any kind of particular brands or, or fashion designers that you feel uh, are doing particularly great, sustainably focused work at the moment? Yeah, yeah, there are quite a lot. Um, uh, some in particular that I really like is one is called Birdsong and they're based in London and they are amazing. At, um, they employ so I, well I do. I'm just me, so I don't have any employees. But Birdsong they pay the living wage and they employ lots of different women from different communities and really uh, are more of a social enterprise and really give back to these communities and help yeah work with them in a really amazing way and then there is a shop called Wo Sancho's which sources different artisans work and clothing and they're based in Exeter but they've also got like a big online presence there's someone who I think are doing amazingly and then also uh, Bethany Williams her work is really um, amazing and inspiring to me 
Okay, cool. And I've got a question about how how does your your passion for sustainability drive other aspects of your life aside from fashion design? Are there any practices or or lifestyle choices that are born out of your desire to live a more eco-friendly, waste-free life? Yeah, I think um is it a sustainable thing to do is a thought which I have with all, like most of my um actions when I well not recently but when I used to get a, I used to get like a meal deal now and again and then I watched a program all about how um the packaging from sandwiches can't be recycled because it's got this thin plastic film on it and yeah so basically you put it in the recycling because you think it's cardboard or paper or whatever but it's not recyclable so then yeah so then I decided to stop buying my meal deals and so yeah it really affects everything um with my shampoo I buy uh, bar shampoo and bar conditioner to not have the plastic packaging my washing up liquid everything is like my fruit and veg I get odd box so yeah it really um affects all well probably not I'm not I wouldn't I'm not obviously not 100% perfect so no one is but it's something which affects all my decisions really yeah yeah and um of course we're not we're not all perfect and and so I do have a question as well about what are some of your guilty pleasures that you kind of can't help but indulge in sometimes that are perhaps not not eco-friendly um it's probably always food related being it coming in a plastic packaging which and it's not this is not essential food this is like treats like chocolate yeah exactly like chocolate or chocolate is the hardest (laughs) I know things like that chocolate or like sometimes crisps um although there is a there's a group in in London that my mum always tells me about that um collect all crisp packets and recycle them you just need to get them you just need to not throw them in the bin and they will come and either collect them come to your house yeah yeah and it doesn't matter on the brand or anything so I should do that but yeah it's it's always food related things which I think are my slight downfall with me trying to live more plastic free and so are there any kind of great books or, or resources about the environment climate or sustainable fashion design that have particularly helped you with your work what are your kind of go-to resources when it comes to these sort of things yeah, so um, obviously the course I did, which was um, at the Centre for Sustainable Fashion, and that's just an online future learn course. So it's like very accessible for anyone. Um, that was amazing and gave me a real good foundation for like all my knowledge. Um, and then the other one was the OR Foundation, which I mentioned before. Uh, that's just so insightful and yeah, brutally, like it's quite a harsh truth to see. Uh, to do with the amount of textile waste that we have and how it impacts other people and fashion revolution is always an amazing source to look to they share that's where I learned about the charity shop fact and again they share quite like shocking things that are really important for us to to grasp yeah so they're they're the main ones that I look to Okay, um, so it's more kind of like online resources and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I generally generally use online resources more than books. Oh, there I do listen to a few podcasts. Um, there's a podcast called Common Threads, which is all about different areas of sustainability and fashion, and one called Wardrobe Crisis, and another one called Green Canvas. Oh yeah, of course, <laughs> exactly, and Green Canvas yeah um and is there any advice you'd give to kind of other fashion designers who are looking to adopt a more eco-friendly and sustainable approach 
Uh, my main advice would be choose what area of sustainability you're focusing on because it's a huge, huge topic. And yeah, it, first, well, firstly, that means it can be overwhelming. And secondly, it then can mean you're not doing that thing properly in a way. So for me, I purely focus on reusing secondhand materials and other people may focus on more kind of like uh, technically advanced materials or materials that are way more sustainable because obviously the fabrics that I work with um, they are kind of like polyester well it's just any fabric which isn't doesn't necessarily mean that the fabric itself is sustainable the sustainable thing is the process of me reusing it obviously but yeah I think really start by focusing on one area and then become an expert in that and then you can move off and include the other areas within your work and and is is becoming more eco-friendly sustainable is it something that nearly all fashion designers are, are thinking about at the moment that you know or are there still a lot that are, are more just focused on making you know clothes they really like well I think maybe outwardly they're saying they are becoming more sustainable I don't know if they necessarily think it internally but it, I mean it's something that I think it, yeah they say that the, the fashion industry has 10 years to turn it around so if people aren't making it a priority now they're like doing themselves a disadvantage really because it's where the industry not is going from choice like is going from I guess kind of choice but is going from absolute necessity and if you want in my opinion if you want any longevity and like serious career in fashion then you'd be silly to not be like work with sustainable materials and learn how you could do it sustainably Mm -hmm. and what would be your do you have any dream projects or collaborations in the future that you'd like to to do I think I would really like um like the collaboration with Nietzsche where I reuse their dead stock I'd really like um to grow that area of myself my work more and like that be kind of how I work although I really love sourcing the fabrics I think actually there are already so many brands with so many problems and so many so much dead stock themselves that actually reusing that would be a really amazing opportunity both for the brand and also for these items that they've made that are not sold so yeah doing more collaborations and growing myself as a designer that really does these kind of interesting and yeah interesting and um useful collaborations for other people is something that I yeah I want to grow that area of my brand and are there any kind of dreams or aspirations for your brand that you have um aside from what you just mentioned there that you'd see your your brand growing into in the future like in maybe if we fast forward 5 10 15 years do you have a vision of what you'd like your brand to be yeah yeah so I think so my brand's grown quite a lot over the last year so I think it continuing to grow and it continuing to like really impact um other people and really help inspire other people to remake things and make things and kind of have workshops and events where people can learn how to remake their own clothes not always it being clothes that I make and resell yeah so kind of grow in like a really collaborative community focused way and are there any we covered quite a lot in this interview and obviously I'm wary of your time too and I was wondering if before we wrap up the interview if there's any kind of last words you'd like to say to to listeners um yeah so I think 
one of the big things is with clothing, obviously a lot of it is on companies producing way too much and dead stock on their side. But from a personal point of view, I think if you're buying something from more of a fast fashion brand or from something like that, write it down and then see if you still want it in 30 days. And if you still want it, then maybe it's something you should buy because you are going to wear it and you're going to love it and everything. But if you've forgotten about it and then you've got a list with like 20 things on, you can see that they weren't things that you really need, uh, well, not needed, but that you that really would be something that you'd love for a long time. I think um, that is like kind of one of the main problems we've got at the moment is this mass consumerism, like influencers doing hauls on Instagram of all these clothes that they've got for free and just the, our constant thinking we need more and more and more of new 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 and actually yeah slowing down it's not about not buying new clothes because I think most people really do like getting a new piece of clothing but it's just choosing things that you really will have for a long time and aren't going to be unworn and disposed of that sounds really good. That's such good advice. And it's also a good way of getting away from the, the, the emotive purchases that we make in the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, no, it's great advice. And, and so yeah, yeah, well, thank you for your time. And it's been great to talk to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Green Canvas. In two weeks, we'll be back with the next episode. In the meantime, if you think this is a podcast a friend of yours will enjoy, we would love for you to share it with them or leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us know what you think and others to find the show. And feel free to get in touch with us anytime at hello at greencanvaspodcast.com. We would love to hear your thoughts on the episode or any recommendations and questions you may have for future guests. Thank you again, and I hope you have a great day.